0: This week, pay has got his eyes on BHP strikes, and he's here to tell you why. The People's Broker will be focusing on the OPEC meeting set to take place this Sunday. Meanwhile, the dry freight markets are still buzzing from positive sentiment. All this and more on Freight Up. Freight up. Hello and welcome to Freight Up. My name is Fernanda, and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. We've got a juicy episode for you this week, but before we dive on into that, we're going to ask you to just take a moment, take a breath, and make sure that you're following this show, which you can conveniently do on our website, FreightUpPodcast.com. Did you do it? Okay. All right. Perfect. Now we can get into the show. Let's start with Archie. Arch, the people's broker, breaker of chains. <laughs> How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are
0: you? I'm good. Better question, though. Yeah. How is the fuel market doing?
1: Uh, fuel market's really all over the place at oh, the minute. Oh, good. Yeah, there's quite a lot going on. I'll start with what's going on with crude. This week's crude's been really flat, really sideways, very range-bound, not really doing much. But last week was pretty turbulent. The The front future slumped last Thursday down to like 7660 dollars per barrel that's, oh, the wow. Jan, that's the Jan contract yeah having traded around like 81, 82 yeah. for quite a while yeah we, we saw a really sharp slump on Thursday it ended up settling like well over $4 lower on the day
0: oh my goodness yeah
1: and then there was no real instant macro headlines or or stories that came out that kind of that caused that to happen. I think it was just re- it was really just a build up of of this ongoing kind of poor woeful demand outlook on a quite a, you know global scale. You know that's been ticking in the background. Uh, as well as that, there was uh, a U.S. stockpile build last week, which is like the second or third consecutive yeah. week that there's been stockpile builds. So obviously, you know, hinting at that larger supply factor. And yeah, Thursday it all just re- really came off. Another thing to consider is there could have been some stop losses in the market at certain certain points that were hit on that day. You know, as soon as it as soon as market gets there, selling out of a big position, so it just snowballs the selling. Uh, and yeah, and it, yeah, we, I mean, we came off massively Thursday, but then found support again on Friday and and into this week basically. So we, pretty much those losses have been reversed completely, basically, uh, and we're back pretty sideways. I think markets very much sitting on their hands, looking ahead to the OPEC meeting this weekend.
0: Oh, yeah, really exciting.
1: on Sunday. I think the general consensus was that they were going to extend the ongoing production cuts. Obviously, Saudi and yeah. uh, Russia have been have been cutting output each month since summer.
0: Yeah, very um, aggressively.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the general consensus was that th- these cuts are then going to be extended into well into 2024. But, you know, you, who knows? You've got, you've got to wait and see what what's said on Sunday.
0: The market kind of expects that though, right? So. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and you could argue that it's getting priced in as yeah. we speak, you know, like you mentioned, if something is expected, then it gets priced in before the, the actual announcement comes. But, you know, there'll always be a little bit of shake up Monday morning.
0: Okay.
1: But it's just one of those things you've got to see what happens. And another thing I, with uh, kind of market participants sitting on their hands and waiting is obviously we've got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Yes. And that will uh, that will affect liquidity and kind of just general market sentiment. Any excuse to, to for a holiday, really. I'll I know it's massive you. in America, but I'm talking market-wide.
0: Yeah. Everyone's
1: like, oh, Thanksgiving. I'll,
0: I'll leave it till <laughs> next week. <laughs>
1: it's so, the same, yeah.
0: yeah, with everything. I mean, yeah. like, we celebrate Golden Week here. Just, just yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's
1: what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just anything, really. The crude build that was released last week, that was of 3.6 million barrels sum, Fair And actually, the API weekly data that came out yesterday oh. showed a, bill, uh, a build of over 9 million crude barrels. However, market was pretty unaffected by that.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: I think people look more to the EIA data. So you've got two lots of data that come out. You've got the API,
0: yeah.
1: American Petroleum Institute, uh, Institution, which comes out Tuesday evenings. That came out last night, showed a build of 9 million barrels. But then the, what the market really looks at and reacts to more Is the EIA. Yeah, it's two different institutions and they're basically releasing the data on the US stockpiles. I think just to round it up is just be like, like I said, how obviously we really came off uh, Thursday last week and we're back to where we were. It is mainly because of of that support from from people's expectations that OPEC are going to extend the cuts and that's where the main bulk of support has come from, really.
0: You think it might have fallen a bit more had it not been for those expected cuts?
1: Potentially, it's hard to say. Yeah, it was a serious tumble. But, I mean, would it have fallen further? I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. I, I don't really? think so. All
0: right. What else is on the docket for today?
1: Well, then it kind of turns me to what's going on in the, in the fuel and bunker market. I'm going to speak mainly about the very low sulfur fuel oil complex. That's been really all over the place. I mean, generally speaking, very, very strong very strong uh, supported by the f- in the front in the front months yeah. uh, the front cracks uh, the front 5.5 crack is i mean that was trading almost $18 per barrel uh last week which is very high same with the front 5.5 spread the deck jan spread that was trading over like $30 per metric ton uh, meaning there's a $30 premium of the for the deck contract to the to the jan contract so some serious backwardation in the front there oh wow and a lot of this has stemmed from uh, the al refinery, as q e refinery, and it's, oh, yeah. yeah, you might have heard of it before, it's quite it's, it's quite a big one.
0: You mentioned it last week. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah so the al- Al-Zor refinery has been under quite a lot of maintenance and repairs, and this particular refinery does produce a lot of the, the 0.5 marine fuel oil, the, the very low sulfur stuff. So while that's being maintained and repaired, it's not been producing as much, so it's it's really just been a case of, of tight supplies in that region. That's why we've seen such strength in the Point the five stuff. And we had a lot of guys coming down last week when the crude was tumbling saying, oh, refresh the curve, refresh the curve. Because the crude was so low, they was expecting to see some lower fuel prices. But yeah. the, because the crack was so high, that was offering a lot of support to the, to the flat price marine fuel oil. So yeah, it really did kind of counterbalance that crude tumble even though the very low sulfur crack and the sp- and the front spread is still really strong they are they've been coming off they're like two the cracks like 2 dollars lower trading around 15 dollars per barrel now and the front spread's trading like 24 dollars per metric ton now so it's still very high traditionally yeah but lower than last week and that's because there was some news that came out either at the end of last week or Monday, that uh, this uh, Azor refinery should be back to full operations in about two weeks. So that's affected the market in the sense that people are expecting more supply to, to get flooded in. And that's why we've seen softening in those front months, the past couple of days.
0: Oh, well, that explains <laughs> why you guys have been so quiet, so <laughs> pensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, just to, to talk a little bit about the high sulfur fuel oil stuff, it's nowhere near as exciting. <laughs> it's just been more stable, basically, uh, yeah. over the last week. I find normally it's actually the high sulfur stuff that moves around quite yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah the high sulfur, high sulfur cracks normally pretty yeah. choppy. East West, uh, high sulfur East West normally really choppy. Yeah. But this week, it, you know, they've been like, look, we'll take a step down. back. But low <laughs> sulfur stuff, you can. Uh, have your time to shine. We've seen what crude's
0: doing. We're going to just sit
1: there. Uh, so yeah, it's been pretty. It's been pretty stable. East West has found some stability. The high sulphur east okay. west. The barge crack has found some stability. The high sulphur spreads, especially in the sing, a little bit stronger in the front months, but nothing to really comment on. Nothing drastic. No, nothing drastic. Certainly not like the, the thirty dollar premium that we were seeing in the in the deck giant sing point five. That was obviously very favorable for those who wanted to roll their position from deck to Jan.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they're
1: selling the deck, buying the Jan, and they're selling the deck at thirty dollars higher.
0: So Pretty good. Quite
1: a juicy premium <laughs> yeah. for those who are rolling front month exposure. Obviously, that premium is still still wide, twenty three, about 23, 24 bucks. But yeah,
0: there we go. Can people still capitalize on that?
1: <sighs> spreads are super liquid. We're yeah. always quoting spreads. We're always doing, especially for the shipping guys. Uh, like I mentioned, a lot of a lot of them will just roll exposure. And the spreads trade a lot in the market. So if there are any spreads that need doing, then then we'll be able to do them, yeah.
0: Yeah. Call Ace Smith 7. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. Well, stick a fork in you. You're done. Thank you. Uh, nice little Thanksgiving banter there. Now let's dive on into your freight report with me. Taking a look at the overall market, it looks like we are still riding very high on the positive sentiment from last week which resulted in gains across various vessel sizes. Most notably, the Panamax experienced substantial increases driven by strong coal demand from Asian buyers and a rise in demand for mineral cargoes, bringing the week to a very positive close. Cape sizes have continued to strengthen since the middle of last week, supported by robust cargo volumes in both basins and notable gains in the FFA market. Despite weather delays in North China, which led to some port closures, iron ore cargo still recorded a robust volume week. Demand-wise, Cape Iron Ore shipments increased by 28.1% week-on-week to 31.2 million tons, driven by significant demand from China. Additionally, coal volumes increased by 3.7% to 7.2 million tons, while minor bulk volumes rebounded by 13.6% to 3.4 million tons last week. In terms of fixtures, the key C-5 iron ore route West Australia to China was fixed at $10.40 for 1st through 5th December LACAN, and then rose to $10.55 before the weekend approached as charterers had to pay higher rates to secure their tonnage due to the weather conditions. In the Atlantic, vessel supply was reported to be tight in Brazil for the early December window due to fewer balusters towards the area. Last Tuesday, the market saw a prompt opening much firmer with November and December trading up to19,900 and 16,950 respectively, while the Cal 24 and Cal 25 traded up to14,500 and14,850. Sellers did end up finding some traction post-index, 275, and pushed November and December down $1,000. Now, fast forward to this week, and we started off with little to write home about. Post Index saw the prompt months trade in a $400 range, with November and December trading down to $19,750 and $16,400, respectively. Now, the Panamaxes are where the party's at, because Panamax time charter rates marked up 26% as market sentiment was boosted, with gains posted across all routes. P1A led the way, displaying a weekly index value increase of 45 percent, fueled by a new round of inquiries and an already tight tonnage list. Healthy cargo volumes were also evident in the Pacific round trip, along with increasing coal demand from Asian participants. In terms of fixtures, there was significant attention directed towards the North Atlantic, with charters raising their bids and expectations of further rate increases. Now, last Tuesday, we saw rates gap up after a sharp increase on the index in conjunction with short covering on prompts. November and December traded up to 13,400 and 13,100 respectively with some size changing hands. Q1 traded up to 10,200 and Cal24 up from 11,200 to 11,500. Fast forward to this Monday, December shifted up to a day's high of 13,900 Jan to 11,300, and Q1 stayed just under 11,000, printing up to 10,950 in size. Now, for all you Supermax fans, last Monday opened up rather sluggishly for the Supermax paper. However, post index buyers entered the market and pushed December and Q1 up to $12,150 and $9,750 respectively. Further out, Cal 24 and Cal 25 traded up to 11,125 and 11,000 flat. The momentum kept building as we saw another strong day on Friday as post index plus 294, December traded up to 13,500. Further out, Cal 26 and Cal 27 traded to 11,550. Monday continued in much the same vein, pushing rates upward towards Friday's level and December and January trading in range of 350 and up to 13,400 and 11,100 respectively. Now this week on the FFA market marked one of the most active weeks for FFAs as total trading volume surged to a record of 103,202 lots on the exchanges. By vessel size Capes and Panamax futures traded average approximately 6,150 lots and 7,970 lots per day, respectively. Supermax also witnessed an uptick in trading activity with an average of 2,970 lots, changing hands daily. Furthermore, there was notable activity in Panamax options with a total of 12,570 lots traded during the week contributing to the overall options volume of 16,610 lots, with the primary focus of trading being on December Q1 and Cal24 contracts. Finishing off with voyage routes, last week, 2.2 million tons of C5 were cleared, with main interest focusing on November and December contracts and smaller sizes on the Q1, Q2, 24. That's it for Freight This Week. We'll catch you next week for your next freight update. And last but not least, here's how. All right, how before we get into any of the iron ore gossip for today, you are probably struggling with bright lights, loud sounds, and that's because you just attended the annual FIS Shanghai Seminar. How was it?
2: Yeah, I'm still sleepy right now after like <laughs> 10 hours from the morning. Well, it's amazing. We have... 90 to 95 registered clients to attend the seminar and about like 85 guests registered for the dinner. But in fact, there are at least like over 120 of them coming. So it's more than we expected. They are all like at least 99% of them are guests. The rest are either you know experts from different you know sectors, different industries. Well, uh, I, I think it's a great party on Tuesday in particular. And it's a very, it's like a wedding party. That's what John said. And John is pretty satisfied with the party. And a lot of uh, clients are saying, hey, it's the best party of FYS in Shanghai over the past five years, you know, maybe six years. And I think uh, people get, get happy like it. And um, like the foods, like the music performance, like a lot of performance during the, you know, cross the dinner and a lot of discussions because we're having having guests from six different areas of all industries backgrounds coming together. The interesting thing is, you know, one of the brokers gets to clients are in the iron ore fields they would like to know someone from the FFAs, and some of them from, you know, fuel oil. They would like to know some of the deaths from the battery metals. So I think the cross commodity thats our theme. That's John's theme to uh, for the seminar. The cross commodities talk—it's really work. It's really work out. We're all expecting a better volume, you know, on the cross commodities trade, you know, uh, etc. For maybe next year, oh. but I think I think worked out at least the attitudes and you know forward looking for everything is is very good. It's a good night. It's an unforgettable night.
0: And yeah, definitely, I think it was a wonderful night for networking. And next time, I will definitely make sure to attend for the please audience. Please do, sake. <laughs> please do,
2: please do make sure.
0: I will. In the meantime, you have a bit of an update for us. What's this about BHP strikes that we're hearing whispers about?
2: Yeah, I uh, to be honest, I hate to, uh, you know, discuss the same thing like over two weeks and old story, but that's what happens on the market. Like people like to, <laughs> you know, bring up something, rewrite a story and post it to media. But there's something worth talking this time. We joined a short interview with Routers on Monday, November 20th. I think this is very first edition for the market to see the analysis of news because other research people are not fully wake up from the you know maybe crazy weekends parties, but a <laughs> few minutes ago, like after three days, interestingly, we're still making headlines. If you search any keywords like BHP on the Google or Iron Ore Strike, any keywords like on the Google's, we are still the top headlines. That is definitely going to make some sounds to the market. But when we went back to the market, when all I want to say is probably most of the investors were only curious about headlines and then pictures, maybe 1% will drag down, see what happens, what's in there, in the article. Then let me tell you what you missed in the rest of the articles. We probably <laughs> don't see. Yeah. In fact, we saw near 400 drivers, big numbers, right? I think a lot of people in our industries know that all of, the miners, trucks and trains are autonomous or it's driverless. But uh, before, uh, so it's a big number of drivers, but before and after the news, we saw first news of notice like two weeks ago. It's maybe three weeks, oh, three weeks ago, I'm sorry. In late August, October, the shipment of iron ore didn't see any slowdown over the past three weeks. That's a fact of it. So. If we're talking about any concerns about slowdown, we haven't seen it yet. And from the further lake, it's not yet as well. It's just expectation or it's just dreaming, <laughs> but it's just over the past three weeks, that's what we find. And the second of all, the protests may or may not happen depend on the campaigns or further discussions. It's either on the table or under the table, we don't know, or off the table union workers agreed to take restrained actions. So rationally speaking, a normal big scale strike is not going to be happen. It's not going to happen, but what is called uh restraint actions, I think that's trying to avoid significant disruption of iron ore. That's combined a lot of articles and official media from BHP, that's what they said. So a disruption, no, but slow down either iron ore, uh, delivery that's maybe that's not what happened it's not happening it's probably not going to happen either in the next few weeks but it's maybe some point in the future but and the third of all the discussion on the working hours and strikes last for two years we just don't normally hear the news like around and around it's not in the market it's not hitting the headlines but it's hitting the headlines with the past models but if we have to dig it out in some small medias in australia or some local government's lines will find out the strikes since actually happened the talks on the strikes actually happened about two years the condition of union potentially be made is several steps gradually and finalized Then it could take more times than friday friday they were just Run a campaign to decide it's just one decision maybe over the next ten times of decision. I think the consequence is obviously the price of iron were height. But I think the price went high because people are concerning about strikes and restock in advance. Say if there is any of the slowdown shortage, have to buy the physical side ahead of time. But what if not? Or what if not? What if this news is not around the market for the next two weeks? What happened then? It will probably be vice versa, right? The other side. That's all my concerns about the uh, BHP strikes over this week.
0: So, what does the impact look like over the next few weeks? Then,
2: to be honest, we don't know what will happen. I think that's the same thing BHP management team. They feel the same way. And the union workers and the Australian local governments, all the parties don't know what happened. It's like uh the similar slide, it's for, it's like the US, uh UAW uh, strikes in US. It's working for a few months, but it happens. But before that, no one's gonna have a definite answer for either it's happening or not. It's sometimes it's like interest rates. It's like everything. Some. Sometimes the probability went below like 58%, sometimes it's around about 90%, but who knows? But we can make assumptions and see what happened. It's likely the consequences behind each circumstance. Like the first of all, if there will be a strike, if there will be um, even restraint action, even for a week, it will impact the market as a clear shortage on the shipment since BHP is one of a. Uh, biggest miner of the world and it's offered uh, a good brand, good qualified and benchmark brand of the market. It's definitely gonna have a strong impact on the price and price right now is, it's not over yet. It's running 10, it's going to hike $10 higher. If the news is coming out for sure, confirm it. The other side is if they make a deal, I think the shortage problem is falsified and iron ore will start the correction phase from right now to last maybe a quarter length and two quarter because we're in a light season where you, you know, summer between Thanksgiving, Christmas and Chinese New Year linked together, light season. I think we need to take an eye. I mean, what else? I, I think the downside risk, what else is we need to take an eye on the new China stimulus and the government expectations on GDP. Cause it's, bon- it's like a lot of rumors coming out from Bloomberg and Reuters coming out like this week. But I think there will be more detailed versions of stories in the next few weeks. So we need to be aware on that. I think it's not worth noting too much on the interest rate right now because looks like every major country is just going to follow a stable trend on the interest rate uh, rules. And looks like they're all not going to change it right now. So I think the only is watch out the China stimulus. And is if there is any regulative bodies going to control the false pricing, something like that.
0: Well, uh, it sounds like we all have to keep our eye on this strike for now.
2: We have to turn our attention and to strike again after like three weeks. Well,
0: I guess that's what's driving the sentiment in the market. How thank you it is. so much. We'll let you go pop an ibuprofen and uh, drink a gallon of water and uh, go somewhere dark and quiet.
2: Exactly. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks for the listening. Thanks, Fernanda.
0: Well, you did it. You're part of the 60% of the audience that makes it to the part where I beg you for reviews. Congratulations. I appreciate you. And I'm glad that we get to spend this special time together. Just you, me, and the ratings. Speaking of ratings, make sure that you leave us a review on FreightUpPodcast.com. You can even drop us a voice comment where you can say hi to me, Fernanda. But in all seriousness, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Ta-ta! Freight Up!